0: And welcome into Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast this week on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Ryan the Hacker Green with you alongside Denny Thompson. And Denny, it is finally here after weeks and months of talk and talk and talk. Finally, in less than a week, in about, what, five days, four days, we are going to have football in Orlando, Florida between the Florida Gators and And the Miami Hurricanes, it is officially game week for the University of Florida.
1: Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think, um, I was was saying last night on Sports, and I've talked so much, it's not junk because it's facts, but I've, I've talked so much about how I'm so not worried about this game as a Florida fan that I was a little worried that I was going to get to game week and be like, oh, crap, I'm going to come back a little bit. No, I'm doubling down.
0: Yeah, well, the one thing I've learned, and I did not know this, shame on me, but in doing my research about Miami, Jaron Williams, redshirt freshman quarterback, has taken nine career snaps. They were all against Savannah State. He's getting the start against the Gators on Saturday, and not one but two true freshmen offensive tackles Mm -hmm. will be starting for Miami on the offensive line That's a tall ask for two true freshman tackles and a redshirt freshman quarterback, three vital positions to go against Todd Grantham in that defense on Saturday evening in Orlando. Listen, here's
1: here's the bottom line from Miami is they're like the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars. The offense isn't going to score. The defense is legit. The defense is really good. It's probably going to be a top 10 defense in the country. But you're going to need that defense to produce points. And and I don't think in the first game with, with Florida bringing so much back of the skill positions offensively, that that's a big worry for Florida. I, I think Florida, if, if Florida can even put up 21, they win. But I, I think that they put up more than 21.
0: I think the Gators are going to win the football game. I'm not as confident as you in saying that. I think Florida wins 23-13 somewhere along those lines. Here's my concern, and it's been my concern for the last couple of weeks. You are not alone in thinking this is going to be an easy, uh, I won't say cakewalk, but things are going to be pretty easy for Florida. I know a lot of Gator fans, a lot of Gator season ticket holders, Gator alumni. Florida might as well be playing Central Michigan on Saturday. Florida might as well be playing New Mexico State on Saturday. It's still Miami. And maybe, Denny, I'm staring too much at the logo Maybe I'm staring too much at Leon Searcy, my co-host on XL Prime Time, and his three national title rings from the late '80s and and early '90s. But there's just
1: these kids weren't even about, born then.
0: But there's just something about Miami that scares me, obviously more than it scares you and a lot of other uh, Gator fans slash media members.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm not
0: pretty distinct and to the point.
1: <laughs> it's just look the the facts are this. Is they lost what five of their last six last year? They did. Okay. That's an experience. A quarterback. They starting a, a freshman quarterback that, as you just pointed out, has no snaps essentially. Now, I like Jaron. I like Jaron as a leader, I like Jaron as a football player. I like him as a
0: person, and you know the man that coaches Jaron Williams. You I get do, Denny. We remind people every week with his Six Points Quarterback Academy. I mean, you train these quarterbacks, and not only do you train the quarterbacks at your academy, you know guys from around the country to do the same thing, including the guy that's worked with Jaron. Oh Williams. yeah,
1: yeah, and and it's a great group of guys. There's very, I mean, he trains with Justin Fields. He trains like it's 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 a good group of guys. So I think Jaron will be a good quarterback, but the the fact remains, this is his first start. This is also your head coach's first go around as a head coach, first game ever. You got an offensive coordinator who hasn't called plays in the better part of seven or eight years. This is his first, and and I think he's trying to run an offense that he's never run before ever. You've got the tackles, like you just mentioned, that are freshmen. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I just don't know where I'm supposed to. What am I supposed to fear? And to your point, it's the logo, right? It's the logo, but that logo. What has that logo done?
0: It hasn't done a lot recently admittedly have they
1: ever won an ACC championship
0: they've never been in an ACC title game I don't believe okay
1: so Florida has as many ACC championships as Miami has
0: well here's the thing though. all right and 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 look I know this is a Gator podcast again Gator Bites on the 1010xl.com podcast network also being simulcast on the 1010xl Florida Gator Facebook page if there is a weakness for Florida we mentioned this briefly last week it is the offensive line We don't know if it's a weakness. That's maybe not fair, but inexperience along the offensive line. Oh, it's a weakness. They got four new starters. (laughs) It's a weakness, I think it's probably a weakness. Miami's strength, you could argue, is their front seven, including those linebackers, Quarterman and Peekney, from right here in in our area. Uh, Shaq Quarterman back from year number nine in Miami. Uh, Both guys very good. The front four is pretty good. I mean, that's probably the Hurricane's strength is their front seven. Because the strength of Miami is going up against the – weakness of Florida. You know, Felipe Franks can be great, and the wide receivers can be awesome, and the running game can be uh, phenomenal for Florida. But if that offensive line struggles against the front seven of Miami, the Gator offense is going to struggle. So that does give me a little trepidation.
1: Let me give you the formula for Miami winning this football game. And I don't know if they can do it or not. And, and the, my guess is this is what you're going to see. If I was the Miami coaches, um, man, man up, just straight man across – and counting on not giving up those really quick passes and letting my front seven get home. That's the only way you can win. Now, that can backfire in a massive way, and I don't know how good their corners are compared to Florida's strength, which is their receivers, right? So if you do that, you can find yourself down 21 quick, fast, and in a hurry. But it's the only way you have a chance to win. It's not the way you have a chance to keep it close, if that makes sense. It's the way you have a chance to win is, man, everything up, keep everything at the line of scrimmage, don't let Florida kill you with the RPOs, don't let them kill you with the quick game, and count on you getting home. Count on you getting pressure with that front four and letting that really talented linebacker crew kind of roam and make plays in the running game. Like That is the, the only way you win this game. That's it. It's, it's, it's going to tell us a lot how they come out and they start the game. Do they start in that? If they do, they plan on winning. If they don't, they're trying to keep it closer to the fourth quarter.
0: Well, us spend a moment on the gator wide receivers that you mentioned. Van Jefferson, Travon Grimes, Tyree Cleveland. Uh you have Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond, Kadarius Toney. We'll stop right there. We could probably even go deeper than that, but we'll stop with those five or six individuals. On paper, that looks really good. That looks like the best Gator wide receiver core we've seen, maybe since Percy Harvin, Lewis Murphy, and Riley Cooper, that crew about a decade ago. Um, do you believe when Things starting to matter on Saturday and going forward this season. Do you believe what's on paper right now will be as good as what we see on the field for the next three months?
1: Yeah, I do for multiple reasons. Uh, One, the guy throwing the ball is really good. Felipe is a really good player. And in
0: fairness, you've kind of done a 180 on Felipe in the last four or five months.
1: Complete 180. Uh, And and I wasn't even. You weren't
0: very high on him.
1: No, in fact, I thought he was going to get pushed in the spring. Yeah. I thought Emory would push him. And I even thought there was a chance that Felipe could transfer. Um, but what I saw with my own two eyes and the time that I spent in Gainesville in the spring, those last couple of games weren't a fluke. That's who he is now. He's a he's a great leader. he He throws an amazing ball. He's a potential first round draft pick.
0: How did it change so quickly? From shushing the crowd and get well getting benched first and then coming back and shushing the crowd and and everything that went into that. To now, all of a sudden, people are legitimately talking about Felipe Franks as a dark horse Heisman candidate. How did it change?
1: This is where Dan Mullen is so good. When you talk about, I think the term quarterback developer is way overused um, at the at the college coach level. Because if you think about it, if we're always talking about Dan Mullen and how great he is in the quarterback room. Well, where Dan Mullen's strength is, he, he is is not just in the quarterback room; it's in the play calling. And I do think that there are some things last year that he saw that, that Felipe could do in practice that Felipe wasn't doing in a game, right? So he would go out and he'd execute in practice but not execute in a game. But Dan had that, Coach Mullen had those, those four days in practice that he's like, oh, dadgum, this should be working. Well, I think what, what finally happened is they all kind of got on the same page. And I think there's a little bit of Felipe realizing, hey, this is my last chance as a Florida Gator quarterback. And that put a sense of urgency in it. But I really think this is where Dan Mullen is elite, is he figures out what his quarterback can do. And he doesn't just do that. He continues to develop the weaknesses, but then he also finds other things off of what they can do. So, in other words, if my quarterback is good at one thing, then what are five or six different things off of this one action that I can do to script a whole game plan. And if you go back and you look at Florida State and you go back and you look at Michigan, that's what you see. You see you you see really, like, what's the word, precision play. Yeah. You, 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 he's got a reason he's calling these plays. And so now you've got a whole offseason that you are able to build your offense around what you know your quarterback can do. Your quarterback's confidence is very high. You've got weapons at running back. You've got weapons at receiver. And your best weapon is your play caller.
0: Agreed. I, I love what Dan Mullen did towards the end of last year. But let me give you the opposite side, at least what I've heard from what I would assume would be anti-Gator fans or certainly people that are anti-Felipe Franks. Go ahead. Everybody talks about Florida State, the game last year. Everybody talks about Michigan in the bowl game. Florida State was 5-7. and seven. It was the first time they missed a bowl game in, in almost 40 years. Michigan sat out, what, five defensive starters that didn't want to play because they were – get worried about getting injured so and and affecting their draft status. So, taking the, the glass half-empty approach, Franks was great in those two games last year, but that wasn't exactly a good Florida State team, and that was a severely weakened Michigan team okay. with all the starters being out.
1: And I hear the same things, but let me tell you why both of those make no sense. Is Because most of them are from Miami fans, right?
0: Miami and, and Florida State fans, okay. for that matter. so...
1: Florida State was 5-7. and seven. What was Miami?
0: What was Miami? They six were and six? Six and
1: six, yeah. Okay. Yeah, huge difference. I mean, come on. Really? And then Michigan, those guys that sat out means that the guys that are playing this year were playing in that bowl game, right? What is Michigan's preseason rank?
0: They're above Florida, the number seven in the right. AP poll.
1: So y'all just shut up with this stuff. <laughs> you, you, you know, like, you, you're acting like Michigan rolled out a bunch of red shirts. They literally rolled out a team that is... People are calling to go to the playoffs this year, and Florida drummed them. It's not like they rolled out a bunch of third-team scrubs. They rolled out a top five or six team, and Florida beat the hell out of
0: them. They did. It was a dominating performance, and we mentioned Franks. He's going to have a great wide receiving core, not even to mention a young kid in Jacob Copeland who I think if he gets a chance to get on the field, could potentially do some things as well. They are just loaded Tight end. at wide receiver, tight end with, with Pitts and Lucas Kroll. I know you like Lucas Kroll a lot. They got some size at tight end as well. Well, Michael Pirine, I think, is an interesting story. We talk about how good the Gator running game is, and and you know, and, and that's great, but we don't really single out one particular guy. I think, well, Michael Pirine could have a really, really big year. This year. And I don't know if maybe he's getting the preseason pub that he's due. I think he could potentially have a great year for Florida in the running game.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't, there's only one ball. And, and how, gosh, it's been forever since we said this at Florida, but you just named five receivers, two tight ends. They've got, certainly at least two running backs they want to get carries. Well, never,
0: well Damian Pierce, and then you got Iverson Clement, who really didn't play last year. Right. Malik Davis back in the fold that's as well. That's why I said at least two, maybe
1: yeah. three. And don't forget, Mullen loves to run the quarterback. So you're going to have Felipe running the ball too. I don't think there's going to be anybody, and this is a lot of rival fans' argument. You don't have anybody that's got any stats. You don't have number one receiver. No, we've got like six of them. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be anybody that goes for a 1,000 yards um, receiving. There's not going to be anybody that goes for 1,200 yards rushing. But at the end of the day, you're going to look up, and this is going to be a top you know, 10 offense overall. It's just the ball spread around, which if I'm a defensive coach, I hate. I hate that. Like, I, I mean, what, what am I going to do? You can't on one or two guys. Yeah, and now the one thing that Florida's going to have to get under control or they're going to have to master is somewhat of a deep passing game, and that is where we're going to need the offensive line. 90% of what Florida wants to do is short, intermediate routes, like pre-snap read. They've even changed like some footwork with the, with the quarterback to get the ball out quicker, that type of stuff. But they're going to have to take shots deep, and they're going to have to connect. Otherwise, people are going to play man with seven in the box, safety down low, right? And it's going to be really tough to get those yards. If they can figure that out, this is a team that could challenge Georgia. Not, I'm not saying they're gonna, they could beat them. But they could challenge Georgia if they can get any type of play out of that offensive line and they can find those two burners that just stretch the field and allow Felipe to go, okay, I can throw it up and they'll run under.
0: This is Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network, also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page with Denny Thompson, the hacker, Ryan Green with you. That's the offensive side of the ball defensively. Not so much against Miami. I think we've talked about that, that we think they're going to have some success against Miami. I think they have potential issues at defensive back if injuries happen. They don't have the depth there that they maybe once had because of people leaving the program. We've spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks uh, about that topic. I think linebacker, the starters are very good, but again, you get a couple injuries there. There's potential issues, depth-wise at linebacker. Bottom line, they stay healthy. They're going to be really good. If injuries start mounting up, there could be potential issues. What do you think defensively for the Gators?
1: Yeah, I know you're you're dead on there. I, I'm very concerned about the depth at secondary. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in Gator Bites. I'm not concerned for Miami. I'm not concerned for these first couple of games. I'm very concerned um, week six, seven, eight, nine when they get to that Auburn, LSU, Georgia stretch. Once the
0: high ankle sprains and the and the things like that start mounting up, I, I'm
1: even concerned. Like less than that, I'm even concerned with okay kids out for two quarters, yeah. right? little minor injury out for two quarters, and, and you got to run somebody out there that's going to be a target because, heck, you may not even be on scholarship. I mean, that's how slim they are at some of these positions. If they stay healthy, I think they're dominant. What's going to be interesting to see how they, how they play defense. Are they going to be – Grantham is an aggressive guy. Is he going to come out aggressive, or is he going to come out and go, okay, so let's just keep everything in front of us here. Um, and let our offense do their thing. Like that's going to be the two things I'm going to be watching is at early in the game. Miami, what does their coverage look like? Are they in man or are they in zone? Because if they're in zone, they're going to get picked apart, and they're playing to keep this thing close going to the fourth quarter. Same thing with Florida. Is Florida looking to put their foot on the throat from the from from jump? Are we blitzing? Are we manning up on the outside? Or are we being the aggressor? Or are we saying? And there's nothing wrong with this. Or are we saying, hey, we're going to keep everything in front of us because we think we're the better team. We know we're the better team. And we just don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to give up a 60-yard bomb or a 70-yard bomb. Or we don't want to run, run blitz and hit the wrong gap and they, they scoot for 65. Like, I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic, kind of that, that chess that's going to be played. Game plan's been in for a week. They know what they're going to do. Um, that's what I'm going to be paying attention to the first quarter of, of Saturday night.
0: Let me ask you this. This time last year before the first game last year, yeah, we kind of knew who Ja'Kai Polite was, but we really knew who Ja'Kai Polite was at the end of the year. Is there a guy on any position on that Gator defense that, yeah, you kind of know who he is, but you think could be poised to have a Ja'Kai Polite-esque breakout season in 2019?
1: That's the great thing about where Florida is right now. Yes, there's that guy because it's a proven history of it it's happened over and over and over and over again who that guy is i don't know and that's that's the fun part about being a florida fan it's not it hasn't been the steve Sprayer days of 40 points a game but it's been more the will muschamp days of there's going to be two first round draft picks yeah you know and i'm not saying in one year but back to back at defensive end or defensive tackle we're going to have a dog in there well, they're projecting that none of us know the
0: scouts are projecting cj henderson as a top 20 pick already Right. junior defensive back. Right,
1: right. But I'm talking about that front seven. Right, right, right. That yeah. front seven has been loaded for the better part of a decade now with guys that we didn't know going to the season and then just bought Taven Bryan. I mean, he hadn't done anything at the NFL huh, level. Yeah. He's, he's
0: That's a, that's a separate awful. issue for the Jaguars. But
1: Taven Bryan, first-round pick, nobody knew. Uh, Dante Fowler, did anybody know he's going to go top five? Like, see the common theme here of Jags picking all these guys. But it, it's, it's – Derek it's Harvey. Derek yeah, but, Harvey, yeah. yeah. It's just been the theme. So who's that guy going to be? I don't know. It's – they need two of them. They need two of them because if the way you cover up depth or weakness is with pressure, and if you can apply constant pressure, then your DBs really don't matter that much. And they think got some game. good
0: DBs. We'll see if Marco Wilson coming back from injury. you got Brad Stewart, as we mentioned, C.J. Henderson as well. I agree, it will be somebody. Will it be a Jeremiah Moon-esque kind of guy? We will have to see. But, again, Ja'Kai Polite came out of nowhere last year, had a great year, and transitioned that into being a very high draft pick. All right, final thought on this week's edition of Gator Bites. We're with you every week here on 1010XL.com and on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. You kind of tipped your hat. I did as well earlier on. You like the Gators, and I believe you like them big, but how big do you like them Saturday night?
1: Um, I think the score is going to be worse than what I say, and it's bad. I like them 41 17.
0: Wow, so you think it's woodshed? Oh, you absolutely. You think it's taken behind the woodshed? From and...
1: from the first snap.
0: Okay. So I you, don't even think so. No it's... trepidation no. whatsoever. No, man,
1: again, like my, I mean, what is Miami?
0: They're the rock. Yeah. They're Michael Irvin, they're okay. Ray Lewis, they're Ed Reed, so they're an Sean actor.
1: Taylor. So the Rock is great. They're an actor. Wow. There are a bunch of actors that want to say we're back. And I'm sorry, but 6-6 six and six isn't back or 7-6, to six, whatever the heck y'all went. Y'all get blown out the last four games every year. It, it, it's, no, man, come on. It's, this isn't even one of those games where it's going to be like at halftime, oh, I'm nervous. This is, midway through the first quarter, you're going to realize the difference in these two programs where they stand right now.
0: 4117
1: right. is going to feel like it's 60 something to 10.
0: So you say 4117. I'll say 2313 and I'll be just fine with 2313. You know, I think that's fine. Again, I think the Miami front 7 is gonna cause Felipe Franks more of a problem than you do and mm-hmm. that's why they play the games. We'll see what happens Saturday night bottom line. You think the Gators win? I think the Gators win, and that'll be a very nice bye week next week, getting ready for that big Tennessee Martin home opener.
1: One of three bye weeks, by One the of way. three bye weeks. Three bye for weeks.
0: For the Florida Gators. You catch Denny Thompson every night on 1010XL on the Sports Den alongside James Coleman. You get me on XL Primetime Middays alongside Matt Hayes, Leon Searcy, and Joe Cower. We'll catch you next week. We'll break down the Miami game, Florida and Miami, this Saturday night Camping World Stadium in Orlando. Gator fans, if you're going down, have a great time. Hopefully the Gators can get you a W, and we'll talk to you next week right here on the 1010XL.com podcast network and on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page.